You are listening to The Mystic Show, episode 185. This is a special one. Hey, everybody. It's Chris back with you on the Mystic Show. I'm happy you're able to join me. This is the show where we talk about spirituality in all its different forms, or many of its different forms, (laughs) not all of them. We talk about mindfulness, meditation. We talk about the meaningful side of life. You know, not the objects, the cars and the houses and all that. We go beyond that into not, not even just the emotions, the feelings, the meaning. What does it all mean? I mean, why do so many celebrities who have a ton of money and fame and everything, they are all messed up on drugs and overdose and kill themselves because they're not happy? Why aren't they happy? Anyway, that's a question for you to answer. (laughs) What's your answer? So the purpose of this show is for us to just have a nice conversation about these deeper topics. We release new episodes every Friday morning. And you can hear the show as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, Google Play. There you go. And thanks to our sponsor, Pause Your Life. Do you ever feel like you just needed to hit the pause button? You know, stop the whole world and just, you know, I often feel like that. I feel like I just want to stop everything for a week and let me just sleep late and read good books and just chill. But no, reality is there. (laughs) Anyway, Pause Your Life offers retreats and meetups. My wife and I started the organization years ago. And and I just redid the website, pauseyourlife.org. You should definitely go look at the new website. There's a lot of big pictures and cool stuff like that. Um, But Pause Your Life also has an email list. But this is not just any old email list. This is the midweek pause. That's right. We send an email every Wednesday morning with some really powerful and inspirational material so that like right in the middle of your week on Wednesday when you're right in the middle of everything and things are probably somewhat crazy, you can just pause and read this email and take five minutes and just really pause it really helps. Uh, it's it's amazing how much more powerful and creative you can be when you when you allow these spaces in your life, you know. So this is a very special episode. It was a conversation I had with Zach Bellows. This was a couple months ago. So right now I'm actually recording this on October sixth, and it's going to go live tomorrow morning, October seventh. But it's at least two months ago that Zach and I sat in a park in Colorado Springs, right near this coffee shop. We were going to sit in the coffee shop, but then we realized that the coffee shop was playing music. 
and then like the microphones would be picking up the music as well as our voices. And I thought it was weird because, you know, we're going to be talking, you know, like, let's say we're talking about really deep spiritual subjects and like, you know, there's like goofy pop songs playing in the background. It just wouldn't make sense. So we said, you know what, let's set up outside in this little park. You know, it's kind of on a, it's almost like a little square park in the city. It's really small, a tiny, tiny park. But anyway, we set up the mics. We sat out there. And man, we talked about a lot of things. Zach has been reading and studying and practicing spirituality for many years. A lot of his learning has come from A Course in Miracles. And we talked about discernment, discrimination. We talked about the spiritual goal. I mean, that's that's deep. We also talked about listening and following. I mean, can it be that simple to live a spiritual life? All you have to do is listen and follow. Is it that easy? Well, we're going to talk about that. Um, And then in the middle of this interview, you'll hear it. There was a little fledgling bird, actually two of them from a nearby tree that I I don't know why they just came flying out of this tree and, and one of them hit Zach in the head and then landed right next to him and stayed there for the rest of the interview. This little tiny fledgling bird. And then we didn't know if he could fly, but he sat there literally for the rest of the interview. And then once we stood up and we were finished, he sort of like walked a little, then he hopped a little and then he flew away. So it's almost like he was there listening to our conversation. So we also talked about continuous peace. Anyway, we talked about a lot of cool things. I really hope you enjoy this interview. I always like talking to Zach. He comes to our meetup group, our Pause Your Life meetup group here in Colorado Springs, where every month we have these awesome meetups. And, you know, maybe there's a meetup where you are. We have them in several states, two different countries. And anyway, it's all on the website, pauseyourlife.org. So I will start our conversation right now. I hope you enjoy it. About halfway through, it really gets very interesting and it just it just keeps getting better and better our conversation. Anyway, that's my opinion. Let me know what you think. So let's do it. This is me and Zach Bellows sitting outside in the open air in a park in Colorado Springs talking about well, lots of things. <laughs> Here we go. I've just been doing a lot of thinking about the number of people that are going to be hearing this <laughs> and like just the the weirdness of like talking about this and people listening or people find thinking that like there's some truth there there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said earlier, it's about, you know, I mean it's hard to talk in absolutes, but like just talking about it. I mean, that's the whole, the whole reason for the mystic show is to just have the deeper conversation, like go deeper, go deeper. There's a Sanskrit term called neti neti. Uh It says not this, not this, you know, because people look for God, they look for the truth and they find something neti neti, not this, not that. So whatever you can find is not it. It's always beyond. Right. And I think the the sort of shortcut there is, um, 
the needle in the haystack, as it were, right? Where you where you see that nothing that is perceived or felt can be it. Like the netty, the netty netty path is is useful for knowing what it isn't, and what's left over must be it. <laughs> but it's like that's not a thing. That's just this. Right. <laughs> This is all there is. So you've heard of the neti neti before? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think in general it's difficult for people, especially early on on their spiritual journeys, to try to see beyond like sensations and emotions and stuff. Because look, almost everyone just lives on emotion, right? They you know likes and dislikes. They want to be happy. They don't want to be sad. It's and it. They're trying to engineer their life so they always feel good and happy because they don't want to feel sad. And, and so it becomes this everyday struggle with how do I keep being happy and how do I avoid being sad? <laughs> but... Without seeing that those are the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's why things like The Course in Miracles or just simply tuning into an intuition or your higher self can be important there because that's what allows you to experience a demonstration of like I'm not falling back on past conditioning I'm not necessarily chasing pleasure or pain because because that's the guidance now but then when I follow guidance, there's a joy that doesn't really have an opposite that you can start feeling. And, you know, it's there where the change starts to happen instead of hearing these things or trying to become sort of have, have a continuous pleasurable experience. That's never going to happen. Right. <laughs> In fact, that's one sort of definition of what people call woo-woo spirituality, like the little wackier ways of spirituality, which they're not really wacky. Nothing's wacky. Every, whatever anyone <laughs> is doing. everything's wacky. <laughs> well, there you go. But these, these so-called spiritual teachers or practices that they sort of tell you, do what feels good, you know, like they sort of preach that, that that it is about feeling good and all that and I don't know right and that that can take you all the way home do what feels good but there needs to be a discernment I think about what what the goal is like what is this good feeling for is it for consistent peace or is it just for a fleeting high because there is only one thing that will give you consistent peace and that's forgiveness or accepting the atonement and if as long as there's like stages involved and you still think the timeline is real that that question what is it for is going to be super helpful I found it super helpful 
because it's like then you're you're inviting yourself into mindfulness in each moment is is this feeling that i'm chasing if it doesn't feel good then it it it's not it's not necessary like there there is no place when when compromise ends for a bad feeling but if there's still a little bit of confusion about is this a good feeling I'm chasing because the ego's tricky <laughs> or is it genuinely inspiration and there's not really a set of rules I can give to answer that question but just keeping that in mind what is it for am I is peace the goal here is consistent peace the goal right and everything that's not that as the desire shifts towards consistent peace will just fall away by itself right <laughs> I thought of a good example like you said it comes down to the goal what is your goal and if your goal is to just feel good you know maybe eating a piece of chocolate cake feels good <laughs> right because some people yep. say that oh you have to treat yourself make yourself feel good you know you don't have to cut out desserts totally you can treat yourself <laughs> that's part of feeling good and love in your heart and whatever but so but what is the goal continuous peace is is certainly on the way to the goal uh or towards the goal I don't know. What if someone doesn't understand that? What if someone doesn't understand? Like they might understand the idea of continuous peace, but they just don't know what that means. I mean, a lot of people aren't familiar with the Eastern traditions of enlightenment or oneness, that kind of thing. A lot of seekers in the West, it's more religious. It's more, I, I mean, I heard this guy on the radio today. He's a born again Christian. And they were talking about the rapture and born again Christians literally think that when Jesus comes back, all the people who are devout born-again Christians are going to literally rise off the face of the earth up into the sky, into the clouds, and meet Jesus in the sky, and he's going to take them to heaven or something. That's okay. But that's sort of depending on an external source which is very western whereas eastern it's all you, you go inside so so how how can someone if if there is maybe some confusion in their mind well the chocolate cake feels good it tastes good i feel good when i eat chocolate cake versus continuous peace yeah so i would say that the the higher self or the intuition sort of the bridge between you know, your everyday humdrum life and oneness, that intuition, that higher self, has a major convincing job to do. And it it is not up to you to awaken yourself from the dream because you, as you perceive yourself, are part of the dream. So it can only be this bridge that that is able at all to convince the sum total of your experience like your true self that you know maybe i can still have chocolate cake but it's not for anything it's not really useful <laughs> right and maybe to break it down further 
the group that I spent a fair amount of time with and I still try and keep up with, the Living Miracles community. One of the one of the mystics there, David Hoffmeister, talks about three stages. There's willingness, readiness, and mastery. And really the only thing you have control over is the willingness. Like if a path to to oneness is given you, you can you can choose to practice it or not practice it. And if if there's that path that really just resonates with you, then it's up to you initially to exercise vigilance, I think. But then when there's sufficient willingness, it turns over to readiness. You're getting these glimpses, you're getting these heart-opening experiences, and eventually you're ready to just jump off the cliff. And uh, it takes a lot of trust initially, I think. But as soon as you do, <laughs> it's just like a fairy tale. Like things unfold and as you teach more and more from that place, there's the mastery. Mm. And when mastery is achieved, like there's the experience of oneness right there. So for, in order to actually answer your question, <laughs> um, you know, the, the beginning stages, like, yes, ultimately you can't get to oneness by yourself, but you do have a choice at the beginning if you have a path, and there are many paths, but if you have a path in front of you and it feels good, just to trust in that. And if, if it's not coming from a true place, then that's part of the growing as well. Like you couldn't have chosen otherwise. So just stop trying so hard mm. and it'll be great. <laughs> right. You mentioned the word trust and I know in, in previous meetups, you know, here in Colorado Springs at the Pause Your Life meetup, you know, you've been coming for the past several months and we've had some, I mean, amazing discussions. And this this idea of trust comes up and, and I find it, sort of fascinating in a way that well well why don't you tell me what is this trust you're talking about because i think it's a broad it's a very important part of our spiritual journey right well what is it yeah well i mean in the course in miracles it it states right out that trust would solve every problem now <laughs> so in a certain sense it's it's actually the only problem <laughs> that everything that you think you need is just a denial of spirit or oneness. And it's because of the lack of trust in this spirit, the fear of God, if you want to use that word, or the fear of love, if, if that word is better, <laughs> that lack of trust is, is the only issue thinking that it is possible to separate from that love and everything you see in this in this world everything you see on this screen as long as there's that separation there the screen is just going to picture 
that belief in two things, that there could be both love and fear. But one is real, and one is not so real. <laughs> mm. So the journey is developing that trust. And when I say trust, I mean trust in life, or trust that love is real, and fear is an appearance that you create trying to prove that there could be an alternative to love. But it's not something that you're creating with the self, the higher self. It's not something that you're creating with love. So really it has, it doesn't have a source. It has no reality. And um, realizing that, that's that's the journey towards trusting moment to moment is is really trusting that everything that you need will be provided for you by love and ultimately that you are complete as you are as love and that's where perception just ends <laughs> so what about experiences in our lives that are painful or nasty or anything in in those moments i guess it's a little harder to trust or yeah well why do those things come about if everything is love why do these negative nasty painful things happen well so i would say that they seem to come about these little pieces of suffering in our lives But what they are is is an indication that there is still a belief in separation in the mind. So properly perceived, they're actually, they actually can be quite helpful. Signposts, right? Saying what, what you're thinking is not in alignment with what you truly are. So me labeling the experience as painful or suffering, my perception of that is the problem. Because even if it might be a little painful, it's still all love. Right. I mean, the first, the first step in the development of trust, this is from the course, is, is a recognition that all things work together for good. And as it says, it takes great willingness to recognize that. But it is, it is the case that you may want to believe that you can create yourself. You may want to believe that you have killed God or killed love. But you don't get to set the limits on reality. Reality is. And as long as perception is playing a role and you see the images on the screen and there's this manifest world seemingly apart from yourself then a helpful first step is to realize everything that I see I have asked for and I will I will receive as I have asked for this is a little bit different from manifesting and new age stuff because it's not you the personal self 
that's asking for and receiving as you have asked for. It's this higher self and you will get exactly what you need in every moment in order to move you closer to the atonement or the the final miracle that allows you to see through the veil. <laughs> That's interesting. So that final the goal when you see through the veil, when you when you feel oneness, when you when when you're trusting 100%. What does that look like? I mean, is it it are you just blissful floating through life? What do you So that that experience in the course is called a revelatory experience in that perception just stops and the only thing there is is love. And it's interesting to note that the course doesn't really spend a lot of time on it, which is interesting because that's the goal ultimately is consistent peace, right? But there isn't really a corresponding thing or set of things in this world to that experience because there are no things in an unlimited experience. Things by definition have to be limited. <laughs> mm. so, so as soon as I speak about it, it uh, it's not true. <laughs> it's over. It's Yeah, it's done. But just sort of think about maybe an experience of pure undifferentiated light and for those who've had sort of heart opening experiences maybe maybe it helps to think of it not as the light that you see with your eyes but as the light of spirit felt light the light that has no opposite I don't know it's the best I can do mm. <laughs> but you know that's that's, again, the reason why the Course doesn't really spend a lot of time there. Like, yes, it's the goal, but the thing about the light is that it it's the only thing that's real. So if you're not experiencing it, you don't have to do anything to get there. All you have to do is expose the things that you made to cover over the light. And that's what the Course is for, is as long as you have these beliefs and patterns that you've made running your day-to-day -day life subconsciously, then the Course is a helpful tool to exposing those things and releasing them truly, as opposed to releasing them because you want to be enlightened or experience happiness all the time. Uh, That's not true forgiveness. <laughs> interesting. Um, and once you expose all of those things and only the light remains then that's it like you're there that's 100% guaranteed because that is reality <laughs> so this releasing you're talking about that each of us individually sort of and we talk about this in pause your life all the baggage we're carrying mm -hmm. all the you know the chips on our shoulder the anxiety the stress like we accumulate a lot of stuff you mentioned release so how does that release happen i mean what can can we do something to you know release things quicker yeah so i would say that while while the mind is split 
and there seems to be a lot of a lot of things that we need to release <laughs> then yes each individual thing needs to be released and if you're releasing it truly it involves some acknowledgement of true forgiveness or the atonement principle which is an expression of love which is simply that we're forgiving our mind first and foremost it's not that there's anything out there on the screen that we need to change but it's that we have a perceptual problem we're looking through a darkened lens a split lens where we we take this experience and split it up into different things that we've given different different functions for and healing is sort of beginning to see that you can give a unified function to everything and that unified function needs to be forgiveness or seeing that nothing has ever touched you really mm. like forgiveness we we talk a lot about maybe forgiving someone for what they've done to us but um that's at best that type of forgiveness is going to keep the air in your mind mm. and at worst it's just going <laughs> to cause a lot of suffering mm. because the truth is we're not forgiving our brother for something he's done to us we're forgiving him for what he did not do we just misperceived it <laughs> mm. so um that type of release at the beginning just oh i'm feeling bad about this thing boom i'm feeling bad about this thing forgive it i'm feeling bad about this thing forgive it but as you do that more and more you start to see that there's there's a deeper sort of program running all of that which is the ego which is the belief you could be separate from god and as soon as that is forgiven consistent peace is inevitable but there's a lot of defenses there mm. on the way yeah <laughs> so you're saying forgive yourself for believing that you're separate from god or love or oneness right because the separate self is a picture of what we believe the consequence was for being separate and that consequence was suffering and eternal pain basically but really the course is saying god is still love or that that love is that's the only thing there is and to think that you could separate from that is just playing out a fundamental error of believing that you can create yourself you can't <laughs> reality is not up to you again and so you can say if you said i am one with god and he is still love and meant it that's the only that's the only piece of forgiveness that you need really <laughs> i like that idea because like you said in the beginning you can forgive 
individual things you know forgive this item forgive this person forgive that but in one shot kind of you can sort of forgive everything uh if you could do that you'd be done you just forgive one thing which is everything and then you're there and that's what mastery is for is you can't really say that and mean it as long as there is some belief in sacrifice still in your belief system Mm. because in truth you're not losing anything by accepting this but you are losing every image that you made of both yourself and everything else and everything that you thought you were (laughs) right and that can be scary (laughs) sure and so that's why that's why teaching for truth is necessary that's why this stuff like this is so helpful because i don't teach because i think i have something to offer you or anyone that they don't have but I teach so that I can convince myself that I have what I teach. <laughs> because that's the only way that I can know that I have it without a doubt. Mm. I'm teaching it, so it must be in me somewhere. Right. <laughs> totally. And um, enough of that teaching for truth. And the atonement can be accepted as it is. (laughs) Right. So how do, um, does someone have to be ready to sort of jump, like, like just disconnect from everyday life and sort of, you know, talk about the things we're talking about and actually try to practice it? Like, it, it just seems like, would you agree that some people aren't ready or are they still learning at their own level? Like, what is the distinction to where I'm, cause in my own life, I went through a lot of pain and suffering. And then at one point I said, this is crazy. There's, I, I got to look beautiful, much deeper. <laughs> so I was sort of driven to this point where I was like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life like this, just going nuts every day to try to make money and, and all that. So I hit a wall of sorts. Is that how people come to get on an effective path? Or In is my there experience, way? it's how a lot of people come to it. It's not necessary in the sense that God does not feel that suffering is required to be what you are. But you really only have two choices, to think with God or to think away from God. And if you think separate, then you're going to experience suffering because it's not what you, the true you, wants. And there's the split mind again, right there. So, so suffering is inevitable, really, when, when the separate self is still believed in or seen. And because not believing in the separate self requires a deep trust in something that seems to be separate from you. Like, this is the upside-down perception 
Like, what's true seems to be false, and what's false seems to be true. There's that need for trust. And suffering is, or can be, an incredible agent in forcing you to take the only option there is. Because if you have other options, if there seems to be other options than taking this, uh, this path at the beginning, the separate self is going to take them. It doesn't really like being seen through in that way. <laughs> mm. And yes, I'm sort of anthropomorphizing the separate self here, but it's important to remember that it doesn't actually have a source. So it's nothing. But as long as it's believed in, it's helpful to talk about it. For sure. I wanted to ask you about your conception of God and the universe. Like, like, how did we come to be here? We're humans on Earth having this wonderful experience, and we're sort of learning that this material world, dualistic world, is relatively real. It's not really real. Do you have any th thoughts of anything deeper, like where we came from or, or mm. why, how we came to be? I know that's a crazy question. Sure. <laughs> so there's a, there's a little section of the course that sort of details the steps that were needed to occur to make the separation seem to be real. Mm. And, you know, I think at the beginning of it all, there's this reference to the, the tiny mad idea, which was the idea that seemed to occur for an instant, which was basically the beginning of everything. Separation. Like you, you, could, you could call that the Big Bang, actually, which was the idea that we could create the Son of God, wholly dependent upon God, could create ourselves and that we could be number one, like we, we could be separate. Mm. And that thought, though in reality, the problem and the solution were simultaneous. God's not insane. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, he's not gonna be like, well, I'm gonna create something that could actually destroy itself. <laughs> That's dumb. Right. <laughs> um, so in reality, it was an instant, which is referred to in the Course as the unholy instant, where it seemed to be that we could actually separate from God. But that instant was so terrifying mm. to the Christ mind that we created space to project the air across to sort of dilute it and also time to project the air across and dilute it because it's so it's so painful to look at that one air directly which is why forgiveness seems to take time forgiving separate things and then going deeper and deeper until you actually see i believe i've killed the self and i'm afraid of love but that's that's what this is is we the seemingly separate self have created this 
So it seems to be real, relatively, but that's why I say it isn't real, because it doesn't have a source. God doesn't know of this. He's just pure oneness. So that's what this is. It's a smokescreen to keep us from looking at the one thing we really don't want to look at. We buried it so far in our mind that it's many of us live our daily lives and we're not thinking, oh, like, I'm going to get up and I wonder how I'll heal the separation today, you know? <laughs> right. But it seems to work for a lot of people. You, you know, you'll get what you want. And the purpose of this being a distractive device, it does its job quite well. <laughs> totally. So what about, um, obviously, we're incarnated in human bodies here and the human body is going to die or be shed. What, what, I know, right? What, what can you say about death? Is that, is, is that something, is that just a natural process? Uh, do we end up, if we haven't completely entered into oneness and trust, do we come back like reincarnation? How's that work? Right. So again, everything we're seeing in this world is an outpicturing of the belief that there could be both love and fear. So bodies are going to grow and then they're going to die. That's what we created them for. It, it's sort of like bodies are a concretized form of air, actually. <laughs> mm. And, um, you know, before I go any further, I do want to say, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, Everything that we see seems really kind of bleak and gross. And ultimately, yeah, like, that's what we created it for. But the bridge that I was talking about earlier, this intuitive presence, can use anything the ego created to convince us of its unreality and ultimately unwind us from the ego thought system. So... The beauty that you think you see in the world, that's where the beauty comes from, ultimately, is in, in using the world to unwind your mind from the world. The beauty appears in the world while the world's still here. But that beauty that you see in the world is simply a reflection of zooming in on the atonement and getting closer to healing the separation and when the separation is healed and you see that love does not ask anything of you the outpicturing of the world will change and you'll see that there is no death I mean the form keeps on doing its thing but there is no death you never you never were even born really <laughs> so I guess the other side of that question right is that reincarnation for instance that can be a step like you can you you get a lot more relaxed I think and less worried when you see that you have all the time in the world and that the worst you can do is delay if that's the worst you can do then that can be a helpful concept but in truth, what you are 
never came into this world because that would be insane. <laughs> right. This is the illusion. That's the truth. The truth doesn't enter the illusion. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I often think about that in terms of death. Like, I mean, none of us remembers being born. And for the first few years, you don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, what about the last few years? Maybe the last few years you don't remember anything, right? Maybe. I, I, I mean, <laughs> right? We don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it matters. It's just a weird little thought I had. It's cool. <laughs> just some sort of natural merger or something. I don't know. Huh. So we got some loud music over here. Right? scooby doo boo boo Going to have to cut that one out. No way. We're here. What's the name of this park, Zach? Bancroft Park. Bancroft Park. There you go. We were going to record this in Drives, the coffee shop right over there. I see it. Uh, <laughs> but they're playing music in there. So Maybe it's just an invitation to listen to the music. <laughs> Stop trying to push it away. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you tell me about the years you spent up in Canada, right? You spent some years up in Canada. Where were you? And Less than one, actually. Oh, less than but, one year. Uh, <laughs> okay. Where were you and what were you doing? Yeah, so I uh, had the good fortune to spend some time with a group of people called Living Miracles who use the Course, are, are devoted to the practical application of the Course in Miracles, basically. And from that came a pretty open experience. And really, there wasn't a large emphasis on rules or number of hours you meditate or whatever. And structure structure appeared, but it wasn't held on to. And really, the idea was no matter what you were doing, it was an opportunity for mind training. So if you use 24 hours a day for the mind training, that that devotion will quickly start to make the uh, the darkness in mind show up, like quickly. <laughs> I see. And for me, it was it was very very helpful. I think to to sort of see where there was those little pockets of ego identification and release them, because it's so easy. I think, to um, miss. You can't ever see beyond yourself. What right. you think you are, there you are, you know? So, um, you know, the, the two rules there that the community abides by are, one, no private thoughts, and two, no people-pleasing. And I saw that look you gave me there. Yeah, no uh, private thoughts. So, Explain that one. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not saying that literally everything every thought you have you have to say immediately. But if there is a thought there that's causing suffering, then it's helpful to expose it initially because if you're willing to expose it to other people, then you will be willing to expose it to your true self. And really that's all that's needed for forgiveness of that one thought. <laughs> Got it. So, you know, it can get pretty intense there if you're living with a group of people that won't 
that don't want to hide anymore. Because that's the human condition, usually, is like, oh, I'll be a good mother, brother, boyfriend, girlfriend, fill in the blank, whatever role it is, and not say what I'm thinking to fit in. And, you know, there it is, no people pleasing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a little bit surreal when you're you're cutting up onions with someone and they start screaming at you because you're taking too long cutting up onions. But it's also beautiful because it's immediately apparent in that sort of situation that it's not about, like, the only thing you can do is forgive your own mind. You can't fix them. You're not there to to relate to another person. So their screaming about the onions can help all of us. And in the same in the same vein, you know, the more you let the the pain bubble up from you're taking too long to cut up onions to getting closer and closer to that sense of separation, you know, as soon as you start getting close to that, the ego's going to turn from suspicious to vicious and start hitting you with other fun stuff like you're incapable of love you've never loved anyone ever it's all been just guilt and manipulation you suck (laughs) you know so you know if you're feeling that then what can be helpful is just having people to let you feel that and if they genuinely do then it's it's very apparent very quickly that that's not true Like, that's the practical application right there, is that you can't get away from the darkness. I mean, you could, I guess, slowly, by sitting in a room and meditating it away. (laughs) Right. But, um, you know, the practical application is use, use the situation you find yourself in to, to see experientially that the darkness isn't. The more the darkness is looked at, the less it is experienced, funnily enough, because it's not real. (laughs) Almost like you're shining a light on the darkness, and then Mm -hmm. it's not there anymore. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the purpose of um, going there and, and seeing that I could experience this. I could. It is totally possible to experience the self and also get away from a lot of metaphysical ghosting that I was doing, which is a term I like to use for using words to cover over, cover over pain. Like, um, you can say it's all one to sort of push away the darkness in mind, but it's only ever going to work for so long before it's back. Right. And getting closer to uh, experiencing that that oneness yeah so that was the start of a more devoted approach I think mm-hmm. for me and when you returned from that you re-entered into everyday life okay and then what <laughs> what what difference did you experience there oh man well I mean I knew that I wanted consistent peace more than anything else that I thought I wanted. 
So that was a good start. But, you know, then it was sort of a, oh man, like, I want consistent peace, but I don't want to accept the correction quite yet. Mm. And that right there, like, I had the willingness. I mean, ever since I picked up the course, because that, that resonated in a major way, like, revelatory experiences immediately type of resonating. So the willingness was there. I could see with the mind that nothing else would ever make me happy. But I didn't want to accept the correction. And that was a question of readiness. Mm. And if it's, if it's a readiness thing, the bridge can use contrast to get you to zoom in on, on that solution, that correction. So just listen and follow. Oh, I'm not following. I'm not accepting the correction. How do I feel? Oh, I feel really bad. Is there a way I'd like, could like, do I like the way I'm feeling? No. Like, what do I want? Just taking you step by step by step in until you see like really the only way that I'm going to feel good is to consistently accept this, consistently listen and follow. That's the only way out that I know, mm. right? So the next few, like, like the next year and a half, really, was just that contrast. Like, um, now that I didn't have the monk police. <laughs> monk, monk police? <laughs> well, you know, like we work on no people pleasing, but it's so deeply ingrained that mm. even after I left, it was there. And I could see that a lot of the seeming readiness that I had to to listen and follow consistently while there, and actually I wasn't really listening and following super consistently, mm. <laughs> but what little willingness and readiness that there seemed to be was just people-pleasing. Mm. Like, I'm gonna do this thing that all these cool monks are doing because I want them to think that I'm hot stuff. Right. Which is good because it got me it got me an experience of how I feel when I listen and follow which is what I was talking about earlier like when you feel that there's that joy without an opposite and you can't really fully go back mm. after that <laughs> right. but when there's no one there there was a lot of resistance and that contrast that oh, I'm not listening and following, I feel terrible. Is there another way to look at this? That contrast, that flip-flop was necessary. Mm. <laughs> so over time, you sort of clarified that and were able to cross over the bridge. So this bridge thing you're talking about, is that that's the listening and, fo listening and following? Yeah, the bridge, the Course in Miracles calls it the Holy Spirit. But I like to use a more general term okay. for a more general audience. But you can think of that as sort of your true higher self. The part, I mean, it, that bridge is the creation of God for us because we seem to be lost in the dream. So that, that listening and following, if you do that, like that's, 
that's the way out. That's the only way out. It's almost like God reaching out a hand to help us. Right. And that's, that's the promise, is that you're guaranteed this experience if you go ahead and go for it you're guaranteed consistent peace because that's 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 not insane (laughs) that's the truth that's the truth (laughs) that's reality yeah is there ever a feeling that i've made it i'm done i've reached the goal does that ever come do you think what goal (laughs) what goal though Right. So the I guess the goal of consistent peace is that Well, right. I guess if if the goal is consistent peace and then you feel consistent peace, I guess you would you wouldn't even think about wow, I reached the goal. You would just be consistent peace. Right. I don't think consistent peace is quite here yet. But um again, that's why I speak about this and listen and follow more and more consistently because to the extent to which I can do that I will be more consistently peaceful (laughs) Mm. so you know no I don't think um, let's put it this way I can remember the last time I was upset Mm. I've, I've heard people say that when they really go for this like they they can't they actually can't remember the last time they had a slight annoyance with something and that that's mastery right there you know but um again it's easy because because of accepting this correction you know this way of thinking all all i need to do is just kind of watch as the bridge unwinds me from my remaining conditioning like, that's, that's the only part I have to play in this. That's the only part I can play. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely feels like I'm sort of over a hump of this struggling readiness bit. <laughs> and all I need to do is listen and follow and watch as everything just kind of disappears. Mm. And that pure oneness... Like, yes, it's true, but it may not be a reasonable goal while I'm here on this world because revelation induces only awareness, not perception. It's not perceptional. So you can't really be in this world and be in a state of consistent revelation. Like, those two don't really... Right play nice together so as long as the images are are playing out i'd settle for consistent right-mindedness and seeing things as they are instead of as i would have them be right because as soon as i would have them be something or some way that's powered by a belief that i can create myself which is the separation Mm -hmm. there (laughs) Yeah, some of the masters sort of describe it as refinement. So <laughs> we keep being refined and refined more. So you said you feel like you're over the hump. I think in my practice, to some degree, I know I'm over one hump at least. I don't know if there's more humps. But, <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> but I, I mean, there comes a time when you've practiced it long enough 
sincerely that you see like for me I see a difference in my life so I know I've there's a difference but now it just comes down to refinement and also the other thing that the masters say is that like you said in this lifetime it's almost like this lifetime is preparation and and at the moment of death like when we drop the body and maybe sort of some of the lower faculties of mind then we're not hindered by the illusion so much and then that's when sort of like you know you could think of it as a door opens up and we're if we've prepared enough the rest just drops away then maybe we can enter into that state right i mean i would again right it it bears repeating because you can't remind yourself of this too often that everything you see is a reflection of what's going on in mind so it's not necessarily that once you die you can be one with everything consistently it's that when the mind is ready like there's dying is just something that happens in form right but there's there's a content behind the death that can point at what's going on in mind the death that most people seem to experience is a death where the guilt and the pain at being separate compounds until the ego demands the final vengeance mm. at which point you die but then you can't actually die in reality because what you are is not up to you so then it just happens again <laughs> right there is another type of death which happens when when the mind is sufficiently trained <laughs> what that's a tiny little baby bird he's sitting right there let me get a picture holy I cow nailed me on the head <laughs> that's awesome I really think these fledgling looks like a sparrow maybe the fledgling birds there was a couple of them that just kind of fell out of this tree right next to where we're sitting this little <laughs> tiny fledgling bird is just sitting here right next to you Zach and the innocent perception. <laughs> wow. That's actually, when you were mentioning earlier about the glimpses of, I forget how you said it. It was like glimpses of pure joy in life or glimpses of love mm -hmm. that sort of are like little hints that it's there. Uh -huh. It's like little, I think babies are one of those things, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just sort of pure and innocent yeah, there's no judgment in there. And just, just openness, right? Yeah, little buddy. Like this little guy. <laughs> yeah, I think the one that hit me in the head... That's that one. Is, oh, okay. Yeah, that's that one. It just, it literally kind of fell and scooted over to there. <laughs> so what were you saying? Oh, yeah. So one type of death mm. was guilt gets compounded until... You decide to die, but you can't die, so you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Alternatively, right, when, when practicing consistent right-mindedness is the goal for a lifetime or however many lifetimes you need, <laughs> then, you know, that, that happens and perception continues as a means for perfecting, for correcting the one air that that God is something other than love. And when the mind fully sees that, 
and merges with that, then perception is no longer necessary. So it ceases. Right. And what seems to happen in form is death. But it's a very different type of death. Right. (laughs) I always think of the deep sleep state. Like we have our waking state. We have our like semi-waking, like (laughs) like semi-sleeping, semi-waking. Yeah. And then you have the deep sleep state, which the deep sleep, you don't know any, there is no perception. You literally. No perception. (laughs) So. There's just this. (laughs) And it's, you know, you can't think about it you can't remember it it just it is just there (laughs) is there a danger in trying to sort of intellectualize this process too much also well i would say ultimately no the worst thing you can do is delay what what i would say maybe to help speed up the process is you really do have to be honest with yourself That's how um, intellectualizing the process too much can sort of hang you up is because if, if you're not honest with yourself, you can miss that an intellectual understanding without a felt experience doesn't actually feel good to you. And if you just kind of push that away, then the sort of faux happiness that you get by being better than other people (laughs) Mm. like you may think that that's what you want but as you get these glimpses like it's the glimpses the the intellectual understanding actually doesn't matter at all (laughs) it's the glimpses of of these heart opening experiences that will convince you that this is what you want Mm. so no not really a danger I mean you may kind of camp out a little bit there for a little bit to the extent that uh, you're willing to let go of the idea that you're better than people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's a common thing, I think, for seekers to, like, want to understand all of this and then just hit a wall Mm -hmm. and become frustrated and wonder, like, what's what's going on? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like I'm making progress. And then, you know... Some people are stubborn, some people aren't stubborn. And uh, <laughs> they'll move through that. <laughs> right. So I think we're we're getting near the end here. So besides <laughs> besides encouraging people to be honest with themselves, which is what you just one of the things you just said, mm-hmm. what else would you say to someone who who maybe maybe they've been learning and 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 reading and thinking and maybe practicing a little how, what would you suggest or encourage them to to move their progress along. Huh. Yeah, I would just say, listen and follow. Mm. That's all it's about. Like, beyond being honest with yourself, there needs to be a willingness to move beyond yourself because that's what you're literally doing. And before you start listening and following, actually you're just moving in circles. Right. (laughs) Because you're you're relying on your own past learning which is which is what got you into the mess in the first place actually (laughs) so if there is a true desire for happiness then then just that 
that willingness to listen and follow. Mm. And it need not be consistent. It need not be it need not be anything. You just need to show up. And if you show up, then time and space will be arranged for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all you need to do. So don't worry about it, I guess, is the other thing, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So listen and follow. Give me a little more specific details on that. What am I listening to? What am I following kind of thing? Just be willing to to listen to that bridge, the intuition. And once you are getting that guidance, it's one thing to hear it. It's the other thing to actually do it because that guidance is not based on your past learning. And quite honestly, the extent to which it doesn't make sense to your ego that's the extent to which it's probably genuine. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, those are the only two things. And yes, it's a it's a practice, but it's a practice that will take you to a space where there's no need to do anything. <laughs> right. So, if you get a prompt that's that's like fearful in some way, then just move in that direction and see how quickly that feels so good. <laughs> like I don't know, if you just get a prompt to, like, start driving in some random direction, then just do it for five seconds. That's all that's needed. And your your mind will light up. <laughs> and conversely, if that's not the experience, right, maybe, maybe that guidance is coming from somewhere else, right? And that's how you build that discernment. It, it feels good for no reason. How do you feel? Be honest with yourself, right? <laughs> right. And uh, that's how you can start listening and following. <laughs> right. And discerning, you're, what you're talking about discerning is from the intuition versus the ego? Right. Okay. Versus that voice that likes to pretend to be wacky or <laughs> maybe not so wacky, you know, but it's not going to feel good in the same way that this feels good. <laughs> So you have to be sensitive to how you feel as you're listening and following. Yeah, straight from the Course in Miracles, the one right use of judgment. And if the uh, if Jesus is going to say this, right, you better pay attention. Like, there is a right use of judgment? Man, mm. the one right use of judgment is how you feel. And so, yeah, it's at the beginning, it's a process, I think, of of becoming more and more in tune with that genuinely. And once you get that, it's easy to tell. Where is this coming from? What is this for? Right. <laughs> that's beautiful. And that's why meditation helps and these kinds of oh, practices. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful. So thank you, Zach. This has been a wonderful chat. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and this baby bird is sitting there looking right at you. He wants to join in the chat too. <laughs> he's literally probably 12 inches from your chair. He, and he's leaning up against... The, the the little bag for the chair like he has a nice little cozy place there wow i want to thank zach again and i really hope that you took a lot out of that interview i know i've listened to it several times and very inspirational so i don't want to talk too much after that so until next week Keep shining.